1: This is Season 4, Episode 9. Can you believe they've let us do that this many times, Alan and Caitlin? I am just thankful they do. I am indeed. And so we're coming to you today from Colorado Springs, site of Pikes Peak and the world's highest donuts. When you go to the top of Mm. Pikes Peak in the Summit House, 14,110 or 115 feet, depending on who you ask. They have cake, donuts. That they, what do you do with donuts? Fry, cook, bake, whatever. All the above. Uh, And yeah, you've got to eat one of those while you're there. And donuts are not cooked at any higher altitude anywhere in the U.S. And if you've ever tried to bake anything in Colorado Springs, you know that that is a significant achievement. I'm Terry, Church Ministries leader for the Alliance, and one who has a high appreciation for donuts. I share your appreciation (laughs) for donuts.
2: I'll second that. And I'm Alan, Director of Multiplication in Eastern PA.
1: Along with us today, as always, Caitlin, the Laugh Track Guyberson. And uh, Caitlin, love to have you with us. Thanks. Glad to be uh,
0: here. I ate a donut this morning. So I think I've got one step ahead of you. Not the highest altitude donut, but I have had a donut.
1: Yes, I had a donut this morning too, in spite of the fact that I'm on a low carb diet. We were celebrating uh, the, a farewell to Jan Peacock, our HR person here at the national office. By the time you hear this, that will be old news, but she served faithfully for a number of years. Grateful for her. And so uh, today we're going to uh, be interviewing a good friend of mine, Jonathan Schaefer, who is the lead pastor at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights, Ohio in uh, suburban Cleveland. Jonathan served for 12 years as our vice president and was board chair for many of those years, continues to serve on our president's uh, cabinet. And uh, Alan, what's our topic with uh, Jonathan today? I'm excited about this because I can't believe it took us to season four
2: to actually have a, a, an episode where we focused on preaching But Jonathan is going to focus on preaching for us, uh, first from a broad point of view, and then specifically preaching on the deeper life. And I got to tell you, I just, uh, I'm looking forward
1: to that. Amen. Me too. So uh, grab yourself an RC and a moon pie. Sit back. Moon
0: pies.
1: Relax. Here we go.
0: equipping you friends it's Caitlin here and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at equipping you that's just for you and we think you're really gonna love it if you're an avid equipping you listener and equipping you live attender or both you need to join our Facebook group called equipping you community we love that on the podcast and at equipping you live we get to empower you in your ministries but we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want applying what you learn in community is key so pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you community we can't wait to see you there
1: so it's our pleasure to welcome to equipping you podcast today our good friend jonathan uh, shaver jonathan thanks for taking the time to be with us today
3: hey it's really good to be with you all thanks so much
1: Love to hear a little bit of your story to start off. Uh, I know a little bit of that story, but others may not. So uh, tell us how you came to know Jesus. Uh, tell us about, a little bit about your call into ministry and maybe some of your own deeper life experience uh, in the Spirit of God.
3: Sure. You know, what first pushed me to Jesus was a fear of dying. Actually, at a young age, I my first bicycle ever, I grew up in a big family, and so almost everything was a hand-me-down. And this bike that I got was from a boy in our church who was out with his family they were boating, and in a, a terrible mishap from the car to the boat in the marina, this boy slipped on the dock, hit his head, fell into the marina before they could find him, and he died. Wow! Uh. So the family, after the funeral, they dropped the bike off at our house, and, uh, and I remember riding the bike, and I'd be like, I wonder where he is. And even as a young kid, I, I, I had this fear, This I was terrified of death. And I must have been asking questions, because as I recall, my mom asked me one day, she said, Jonathan, do you want to know for sure that you are going to heaven? I mean, that was it. I'm so grateful for parents who modeled a genuine and authentic relationship with Jesus. And it helped me to put my trust in him. So that was in elementary school. And I think when you're that age, you're you give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of Jesus. But in terms of my relationship with the Holy Spirit, the lights really went on for me when I was a sophomore in high school. And I had this poster in my bedroom wall that. Said something like, Jesus gave his all for me, now I'm giving my all for him. And that sentiment may be okay, but it was a misunderstanding for me of what it means to know Christ. I had this mindset that Jesus died for me and that was his job, and now my job was to try my best to please him with the way I lived. And so wow. we had the speaker at a church named Major Ian Thomas, a British Bible teacher, and God opened my eyes and heart, and I realized that Jesus wasn't finished when he died for me. His job, wasn't complete then. He also came back to life and he wants to live his life in me today. So I began this new relationship with the Holy Spirit in that moment. I invited uh, him to just live the life of Jesus through me. And it was a game changer. I had joy and freedom instead of just this trying harder routine. The Spirit gave me some new gifts to help me grow. And that poster on the wall, I took it down and I realized that Jesus gave his all for me and he wants to keep living through me, as Paul says in Philippians 2, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So that's just a little bit my journey spiritually, and especially how I came to realize that this, there's this ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, we want to talk about that a little bit more uh, in the second half of the podcast, uh, what it's what it's like, how you preach on that subject of uh, people experiencing the fullness of the Spirit, the deeper life. But we're going to start out just talking in general about preaching which is a very important part of uh, what our pastors and leaders do across uh, the Alliance. So jump in with a question, Alan.
2: Yeah. So yeah, since this is kind of the first time we've actually focused on preaching in one of these podcast episodes, uh, we'd like to hear something, something pretty simple. Like how do you plan your preaching schedule? How far in advance and who helps contribute to your development of that?
3: Yeah, that's good. First of all, what a privilege for us to take the actual word of God, which endures forever, and to communicate that for people today, that it's this enduring truth. Uh, In terms of my own preaching uh, prep, uh, usually I'm praying about a series about a year in advance, generally, and I'll talk to our staff team. I ask our elders if they have input. Uh, My wife, Mary, loves to teach the Bible as well, and she often has great input as one who really cares about the health of our church family. And I like to cover different parts of the Bible. So mostly I preach through books of the Bible. I'll uh, have other series at times in between, but making sure that we have some rotation of the gospels, the New Testament letters, sections from the Old Testament. And, and so that's, that's generally the, uh, the preparation time. And uh, in terms of the help from others, we have a worship planning team who come up with creative ideas really to help people encounter Jesus in our services, and part of that has to do with the message, how we present, maybe a, a visual illustration, but I do most of the prep on my own than uh, having come to the sense of what is the theme that's part of this series, what's the passage that God is bringing to us today.
1: I'd be curious, Jonathan, to know how many Sundays a year you preach as the lead pastor at uh, Grace Church, and... Do you have a team that meets every week and talks about the sermon? Uh, g- give us some input on that.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting when we've had uh, pastors gatherings getting together, I would think uh, that uh, it's, it, we're all over the map. Mine is probably 38 times a year on average that I've, I preach 38 to 40. And so generally three out of four Sundays a month is what I preach. But I've been blessed with some other really gifted communicators at our church and and uh, it just gives other voices for people to hear as well. And coincidentally, our next series, we just were working on yesterday as a team. And during this, right now as we're recording, is during this COVID crisis. And, and we've been talking about what does it look like to be the church, even when maybe we can't meet in the same ways. And so we're going to do a series on the one another's of the New Testament. We're calling it Better Together. And how can we be the church even if we can't meet in the same way? And so got together with a team uh, of creative people at our church, of communicators. And I would just encourage people who are tuning in today that it doesn't have to be someone, if you say, I'm I'm sort of a solo person on my staff, uh, find a few other people, you know, are either communicators in their workplace or they have creative minds, people of different ages, different backgrounds. Uh, That for me, again, yesterday as we planned this next series was super helpful for me and, and it reminded me again, I need to be doing this on a regular basis. Uh, so then on my own, I probably spend approximately 15 hours, 15 to 18 hours, perhaps on a uh, total preparation time per week for uh, preaching preparation. Uh, so that's been, that's been usually what I, my investment of time.
2: So what are your favorite sermon helps for you and your sermon preparation?
3: I remember having a class with a New Testament scholar named D. A. Carson at Trinity, and in this class I had with him, he here's this guy who's written like probably 50 books, you know, he's or, or edited, and he's written a ton in commentaries as well. And it was really interesting to hear him say he talked about the value of reading a passage over and over and over, mm-hmm. read it in different translations. And he said, you don't even really need to know the Greek and the Hebrew, even though he knows the Greek and Hebrew really well. He said, just even in the English translation, just read it in different uh, languages or different uh, translations, let it percolate and and just sort of take root in your heart. And my own sense is I think earlier in my ministry, I too quickly would turn to commentaries or other, other books instead of letting the passage really marinate in my heart, I find that if I can read it early on over and over, when I'm exercising or driving or I'm cutting the grass, I just tend to think about it. And it sort right. of goes through my heart. And I'll get an illustration that comes to mind or some kind of like aha moment where there's a phrase that, and, and I'll write that down or put it in your cell phone, you know, and, and that's been really helpful. That said, there's also a vast array of resources available. Not only the books, but also online tools. And if I can just add one more uh, aspect to this, last year I invited a number of people. I just said, hey, would you be interested in doing like a preaching and teaching study group over lunch? Once a month, we'll get together, we'll read two chapters of, of a, a book on preaching. And they were eager to do it. And it was great. We did. We started with the book called Invitation to Biblical Preaching by Don and professor of preaching. Uh, he had been a Talbot. And that was a great experience discussing how do we best communicate God's Word. And we were planning to go through Tim Keller's book on preaching, Communicating Faith in an Age of Skepticism, right when COVID hit, but we plan to do that. But I would just say as well that when you're talking about communication strategies and how to do that effectively with other people, that has been a huge help for me. And to ask other pastors then, hey, what's been? have you done a, a series on this, this book, or what what are you recommending? Was there a, a particular uh, resource that was really helpful for you? That's been another way that I've I've sort of gathered resources in preparation for a series.
1: Great, love it. So uh, you're typically preaching through books of the Bible. You said talk talk about this idea of of, of the balance of exegeting scripture when you're preaching, but also applying uh, that scripture so that people can take the practical. Uh, steps that they need to take away from the sermon. And then I'd be interested to know uh, what are your primary sources of sermon illustrations or stories?
3: Yeah, what a key question. John Stott's book, um, I think it's called Between Two Worlds. He tells how we want to build a bridge between the world of the biblical text and our world today. So taking that text that can seem very ancient, especially to a newcomer, a skeptic, an inquirer today, and and for them to see this is relevant and how do I apply it and illustrate it? How do I inspire faithfulness to Jesus? Him being the master storyteller, I think he set an example for us, the stories that communicate. Hmm. So I do work hard to find illustrations that will connect. I think especially in this media-saturated age when people are watching so much Netflix and everything else, to, to find... Illustrations that people can just pause for a moment and uh, and say, "Wow, okay, that that helps me." So, in terms of where do I find illustrations? Early on in ministry, I had these like illustration books, and you know, you have them on your shelf, uh, and probably a lot of preachers have those. I find because well, I, I had them. You had a couple of those. <laughs> me too. I confess. Me too. And then the question is, when is the last time that you actually like open those up?
1: They're gone.
3: They don't even know where they're at. (laughs) Because I think what we find is our best illustrations are usually everyone's talking about, you know, wearing a mask today, like in the COVID crisis, or they're talking about what about, you know, our sports league is going to start up. Uh, Or it can be just an everyday illustration where people go, yeah, we do the same thing. And so I find if there can be something that whether with my family or I saw something in the news or there was a, something that was an experience that people go, maybe it's a local one in your area that everyone's been to this particular, we have something called the Metro Parks in Cleveland, this wonderful network of park system. And if you mention like, have you been to the waterfalls? Everyone's go, oh, I've been to those waterfalls. And then you tell a story about what happened there and they immediately, it connects to their own context. And so I find that those stories, and what I'll do is I'll usually run those by a couple people because you can have a story, but then Mary, my wife and I talk about, did you get the mileage out of it? It might be a phrase that then you use numerous times through your message, or it it could be something that having a key line, and uh, and then also I've you know I'm a guy I I love sports and so I follow I'm a hopeless Cleveland Browns you know <laughs> and um, I suffer let's just say I, I'd go <laughs> through suffering. We all have burdens to bear, Jonathan. That's good for (laughs) preaching, right? That's exactly right. Uh, But I think it's important to listen, to to consider who's listening. What is the single mom hearing, or the teenager, or the eight-year-old, or a wealthy, you know, uh, business owner, unemployed person, Democrats, Republicans, a neighbor who has no church background is just checking it out. Uh, I try to have in my mind's eye who are the people that are listening? Not everybody likes the same things I do. And so is there, how can I get more creative? And that's where I, I find that asking other people, listening to their stories, that that can often help. But if you tell a story that people go, like they never forget it. I tell this one about when I was working in uh, retail when I was in, in uh, grad school, and the owner of the store, was was uh, he was very frugal. So he just told me, he said, John, I want you to take this brown paper bag and I want you to take it to the bank. He didn't want to use, uh, you know, one of the Brinks trucks or something. so he told me, he said, inside this bag is like $20,000 in cash and just take it to the bank. And and I remember thinking, I'm going to be robbed. And I walked out and I realized nobody knows because this is just a treasure in a brown paper bag. Uh And then when you talk about, and I, I talked about the treasure, the brown paper bag, and and it was talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. And if I just continue to repeat that phrase, we have a treasure in this brown paper bag. They sort of I have people even still today go, I remember that story you told and but when you can help them to visualize the truth and hopefully really connect it to the truth of scripture, it can it can stick with them.
2: It's great. That is great stuff. You know, you are more than well aware that we're starting to navigate the conversation to clarify our language around our distinctives of sanctification the deeper life experience fullness of the holy spirit and uh how exactly that plays out in the life of of believers uh what have you observed uh that some of the believers are you know that you're around are the struggles they're facing today that may mean this is an important emphasis for us that we can't neglect communicating this clearly
3: yeah I think we all see, and we experience in our own lives, that sense of, are we living up to our identity as Jesus followers? I think one of the discouragements sometimes for pastors is we see people who are living as if Jesus is sort of far away, if the Holy Spirit is some kind of impersonal force, it shows in the frequency of their defeat, whether it's, you know, giving into anger or uh, bitterness or pornography or whatever. And 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 they might say, my life isn't that much different from my unbelieving neighbor. And I love when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, don't you know? Don't you know like that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? He's He wants us to know that like we are actually, that God has changed a dress. And that in the Old Testament where God lived in this building that actually had a like, you know, sometimes the glory of God was so real that the people couldn't even see. Like this cloud was overhead. That God's changed to dress, and now that's you. Like God himself lives in you, and he wants all of his love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and all of those traits that mark him. He wants those to be seen in me. So the answer isn't just trying harder. It's inviting him to be at home in us. And so I think as the Alliance is talking about this, I think it's always a great conversation to have to say, uh, this is something that there ought to be something so different about our lives that people around us go, I, I want what you have. Like there's something about you that I need in my life. Uh, there's, and so I think it's great we're talking about it. And that is not just words on paper, but how can we communicate this uh, in a way that's really compelling to people today?
1: Yeah, very important, uh, essential truth for people to understand. And even what you've shared from your own testimony, you know, that it's not about us, you know, trying harder, working harder to do this, but really allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, bring the life of Christ to us and through us in such a powerful, uh, life transforming way. So, you know, Holy Spirit is the most mysterious member of the, of the Trinity, and perhaps the one that's least understood by uh, people in the pew. How have you sought by your preaching to help people understand
3: the essential truths of who the Holy Spirit is and what He wants to do in and through their lives? There's a number of passages I love to turn to. One is John 14, when we often, you know, we've, we like that phrase where He says, I'm going to prepare a home for you. And what I, I love to, to think about is that word home is the same word that Jesus uses just a little bit later in the chapter when he says, I'm going to send somebody to come and make our home in you. Yeah. That he's preparing a home for us in heaven, but he's making his home in us today. So, uh, uh, a relationship with the Holy Spirit is just that. It's not an event. It's not a spiritual hoop to jump through. Let's take some of that mystery out of it. It's a relationship with Jesus, His Spirit coming to live in us. And, and so if people have been to Grace uh, for any length of time where I, I pastor, they've heard me say, friends, you did not walk into church today. The church walked into the building." And I'll repeat that. I'll say, so what is it? You didn't walk into church today. The church walked into the building. Jesus does not live here in this building. He lives in you. You are God's home. And um, and especially in this time where we're in this pandemic, uh, that who knew that we would be reminded that God doesn't, we don't have to meet in a building to, to have a relationship with him. He He's with me wherever I go. And it's not like when I, uh, one of the visuals I like to leave with people is when you uh, head off for your day, you're going to work. uh, And I think it's Andy Stanley who talks about this. He says, you don't have your devotions and, you know, eat your Wheaties and have your cup of coffee and, and get dressed. And then you take off out of the driveway and you you leave Jesus on the curb and you go, Hey, Jesus, have a great day. See a small group tonight. (laughs) Uh, He's actually going with me to the to. To my workplace like he's with me he makes his home in me within me and he's always with me how does that just translate in my life this is you know i think paul couldn't get over when he says this is a mystery that used to be hidden and now he says colossians 1 but this mystery is now made known that that christ lives in you and when we can really get a hold of that i so i think that starting with the sense of this is a relationship uh, that God has come to live within you, what are the implications of this? Because that is an absolute game changer.
2: Amen, it is. I appreciate that. I think we it's so easy for us to get stuck in thinking of our Christian life as the things we have to do instead of the things we get to do with Jesus.
3: Yeah, we're to compartmentalize, right? Just sort of these yeah. sectors of my life, and he's welcome here and here, but not really here and there.
2: Yeah, that's good stuff, Jonathan. I'm wondering, you know, and you've mentioned a couple of these already, but uh, some chief or central Bible passages uh, that you have found effective in communicating this, doing life with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is like all of life, not just compartmentalized.
3: There's an, uh, quite a few that I just, I love turning back to. Uh, we've mentioned John 14, that he makes his home within us. One of the last things Jesus talked about, Acts chapter one, verse eight. I mean, he wanted us to know that he wasn't going to leave us alone and that we're not going to be orphans. He was going to stay with us. He's going to be with us. He says in Matthew 28 to the very end of the age. Colossians one, this mystery, Christ in you. I love second Corinthians four. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Like we're just, we feel so ordinary, but we have this extraordinary treasure within, uh, mentioned Romans 8, uh, where it talks about the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And then Philippians 2, 11 and 12. I like that passage because I think it talks about our cooperation with with Jesus, that it's it's uh, we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So I have a part in this to cooperate, but it goes right on to say, for it's God who works in you. Paul actually does something similar in Colossians chapter one, where he says, Christ in you. And he says, so we struggle with all his energy. And so am I cooperating with the Holy Spirit in this process of him chipping away in my life, making me holy, uh, forming in me the life of Jesus. And so those are a number of the verses that I I love to turn to.
1: So Jonathan, we try to preach to response, meaning, you know, we don't want to just share information, but we want to inspire. We want to see transformation in the lives of people. Uh, As you think of preaching deeper life sanctification, spirit-filled life type themes, what kinds of responses would you typically call for as you you bring a message of this nature to a conclusion?
3: Because it's a relationship um, with the Holy Spirit, I'll often lead people in a prayer and just say, is this your heart's desire? Uh, Do you want to just even today welcome them? And I often go back to three words that have been really meaningful to me in terms of my relationship with the spirit, words from Scripture. And the first one is thirst. When Jesus says in John 7, he says, if anyone thirsts, and he talks about how that we'll have rivers of living water. And so do I want to sometimes we just need to be made thirsty. And I'm like, if you don't really want, you're not desiring more. Would you just ask God to make you thirsty? That, that passage in John 7, because don't you want your life to make an impact for others? Second word is ask. We're in Luke 11. He says, if you, know, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So ask, like this is not something he's trying to withhold from you. He wants to give you more of the fullness of his spirit in your life. And then back to that, that sense of my cooperation, the word obey. So thirst, ask, and obey. And, and Acts five, it talks about the Holy Spirit being given to those who obey God. Now there's not I think we have to be careful not to misunderstand that, but there's this sense of maybe I experience more of the fullness of the Spirit when I'm walking in obedience. That, that that's one of the keys to experiencing his power. When Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Like if you want to experience if you want me to be at home in your life. Then, then follow what I say. And I'll give you the power to do that. And so I'll often ask, do you want to be made more thirsty? Is this a time to ask? Is there an area of obedience in your life? But those are three of the key words, among others, that I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come back to um, in, in terms of just that sense of surrender, surrendering ourselves for more of the Spirit's fullness. Good. Great. Mm.
2: Yeah. Love that. Love that simplicity. So certainly in your years of ministry, you could tell us uh, quite a few stories of people that have been transformed um, from actually stepping out and trusting the Holy Spirit to have them experience a deeper life of Jesus. Uh, just, just share one story with us today. It's always great to end on a note like that.
3: Yeah, because we can talk about defeat in that sense of Romans, you know, seven, uh, woe is me kind of, but I think to see... When the Holy Spirit really gets a hold of someone, we go, man, that's what we look and we just, we watch in awe at what he, he does. A um, couple of stories. For one, we've just seen like some immediate kind of things where we'll see someone who's been given uh, new gifts or there's a sense of God has done something miraculous and a healing But I I think the most important, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that the fruit of the Spirit are more important than the gifts of the Spirit. So that, you know, I can pray the house down, I can give everything I possess to the poor, I I can fathom all mysteries, but if I don't love, he says it's a big zero. So I always love to see people have this heart change where there's something that just has taken place. So a couple of stories. One, I'll call him Bill, a guy who came in super gifted in terms of, you know, leadership qualities, but he was, he was plagued with addiction, sexual addiction, and something so many guys face today. And he's, he's a good-looking guy. He had, and I mean, it was just had a grip in his life. And when, when Bill surrendered to the Holy Spirit, and and cooperated there was something he had to do to you know to take some steps of accountability and all the rest and you know amputate some things from his life but the spirit of Jesus brought him freedom and deliverance not only bill but now he's leading other men in our church dozens of guys along the same pathway to freedom that he experienced himself and it's just such a clear work of the holy spirit i'll just share one other one another guy who when I first met him uh, a number of years ago, his wife was really the passionate one in her faith. He sort of came along out of, I suppose, obligation and the spirit got a hold of his life. And this guy surrendered. And he has, when he meets new people, he's in a career where he meets new people all the time. He talks about Jesus winsomely. He prays for people on the spot. They'll end up opening up and they will say, can I just pray for you right now? They're often overwhelmed. And he's had the opportunity to see numerous people come to Christ. And those are just two guys. Uh, I can mention other ones. I've done four weddings where people have gotten divorced, and then they've gotten remarried to each other. Uh, and that's only a work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and so we've just seen the Spirit of God bring works of transformation that you feel sometimes really inadequate as you preach the Word. And then you see the Spirit of Jesus take that Word, bring it to life in someone's experience, and you just sit back in awe and go, God, you are amazing. And so, it really is a privilege to see Him, to see Him at work.
1: Jonathan, I uh,
3: just want you to know, as
1: we close today, we hold you in very high respect and appreciation. Appreciate your ministry at Grace. Appreciate your ministry and leadership in the broader alliance that continues as you're part of our president's cabinet. You served as the vice president of the alliance for 12 years before you tenured out, but uh, and. Thank you on the board and just have great love and respect for you, my brother and my friend. And thanks for taking the time to be with us today. I know you're busy and to take time to invest in leaders across the Alliance is uh, much appreciated.
3: Uh, Thank Mm -hmm. you. Can I share one verse with people who are listening? And and Sure. Absolutely. I think it can be discouraging in vocational ministry at times because... We take, we take it on the chin. People attack us. We get criticism, or we just see someone has really grown and then they, they, they flounder. And I'll just leave one verse that God has really drilled into my heart this past year. And I'm going to speak directly to people from Galatians 6. Don't become weary in doing good, because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I am absolutely convinced that Jesus will keep that promise to you. So if you feel inadequate, I often feel inadequate. I feel like, uh, man, I could have done this better or that better. Don't become weary because you are going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up and be faithful.
1: Amen. Amen. I had that verse taped to my desk for about six years in the hardest uh, pastoral ministry I served in. And, and uh, you know what? God's true to his word. So uh, so very thankful. Thanks for sharing that, Jonathan. Amen. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Sure appreciate you all. See ya. Well, hey, uh, really good content from Jonathan that I hope will help our listeners on the whole issue of preaching and especially this idea of preaching the deeper life. Uh, Let's not shy away from that truth. I think we have a lot of people sitting in our pews uh, and or chairs and or watching online uh, has has been the case in much of this 2020 year who need this truth, who need to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And Jonathan did a great job articulating that uh, for us. Alan, anything particular that you uh, took away from this podcast? You know,
2: it's not one thing, but it's the simplicity of the whole conversation. You know, he didn't put preaching, I mean, he obviously elevated the value of preaching, but in terms of approaching it, he, he kept it simple. I think that re- should be really encouraging if our mm-hmm. pastors have somebody in their church, perhaps an elder who's showing some good leadership, and he can start to develop that person to, to preach. You know, Jonathan said, you know, just keep it simple, focused on the Word, read different versions, and meditate on it, and and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And you know, obviously, you have to consult other sources too to make sure you're not drifting off the deep end somewhere. But still, to start with the simple Word of God speaking to you as the pastor is beautiful. And then, you know, the simplicity of remembering that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live life with Jesus all the time, not to leave him on the curb, as Jonathan said, uh, and say, see it's small group tonight. (laughs) So, you know, so all that simplicity the whole way through was super encouraging. It did not feel like he put more burdens on my back. It feels like he made my my load a little lighter.
1: Indeed true. So uh, if you like this uh, podcast, pass it along to your friends in uh, modes and methods that you are very familiar with on social media or email the link or whatever you would like to do. Just speak to them in person and say, please listen to this podcast. So uh, thanks, listeners. We appreciate you. If it wasn't for you, we would not do this, in fact. So so, uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the faith.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.